What's going on, everybody? Welcome. Happy Tuesday. Hope everybody's Monday and Tuesday at work. If you guys are even at work, went well. We are almost halfway through the week. Uh, Just came back from an awesome weekend with my buddy Tyler, who's been on the podcast. We were in Cooperstown, New York, saw the Baseball Hall of Fame, got some dope apparel, got some cool stuff while we were up there, had a good time, uh, as well as my anniversary being yesterday, my seven-year anniversary. So I apologize for not putting the podcast out normally like we would uh, on a Monday, but another week nonetheless in the books of the NFL. Awful week for betting. Uh, wanted to check the bets on DraftKings while I was in New York, un- not knowing that it is not legal to make sports bets on DraftKings in New York. Uh, new, new, new to me. Did not know that. Uh, also, wouldn't really care since I'm never really in New York City and or in New York State. So, uh, cool. If you guys have an opportunity to go up to Cooperstown, please do so. Uh, Baseball Hall of Fame, multiple leveled building, a lot of interesting stuff in there. Uh, Tyler, the the baseball guru, was even surprised by a few things that we saw. So we were in there for about three hours. It's a it's a big it's a lot it's a lot to take in. Your brain kind of melts a little bit. But uh, betting this week was awful. The EK parlay was 0 for five. All of them hit, did not hit. Uh, I was four of thirteen against the spread and four of thirteen and the over unders. Uh, so if I would have somehow picked those eight games and parlayed them, it would have been good. But what are the chances of that, right? So better opportunity next week, obviously. But uh, we're going to do our normal week 10 uh, recap. We're going to do our normal week recap. And then I have a CTP segment for you guys. Uh, once we get there, I will explain exactly what that is. Plus, we get to hear that cool background music that I like so much that most of you probably like as well. So let's start with... The shellacking that occurred. The Cowboys defeated the Falcons 43-3. to uh, The best part about this game was that the under hit, and I picked that. Uh, if anybody had any questions about Dak, Dak Prescott and his injury, they were all answered within this football game. Uh, we were driving home from Cooperstown on Sunday, and I'm watching the updated... One o'clock games update. The Vikings played at four o five Easter Eastern Standard Time. So uh, all the updated one o'clock games we had we had eaten a lunch. Uh, went out to eat lunch just before we uh, Tyler's family and and us and everybody who was up there had uh, headed home. So I was checking the updates, and every time I checked the updates, the Cowboys had another touchdown. It was unbelievable. Dak looks good. Uh, obviously, the, he put everything to bed based on what everyone was talking about with the Cowboys and and whether their last game against the Broncos was real uh, or whether it was just a, a stinker and they're just going to move on from it. Dak's fine. Everything looked good. He looked mobile. He looked like he could handle anything that the Falcons threw at him. And the Falcons' defense has not been terrible. Uh, and they've been a little bit better than average the last few weeks. So... Interesting to see, uh, but the Falcons just reverted to the beginning of the season where they just struggled everywhere. On defense, Matt Ryan didn't look comfortable. The The offensive line was letting in way too much pressure. Cordell Patterson, basically non-existent. Kyle Pitts was the only player on the field that looked like they wanted to be there. Uh, so that's basically why they lost by 40. 
So uh, that's enough of, of that. We're, we're going to move on to the Titans defeating the Saints 23-21. to Seems like Tennessee always squeaks these games out, and it's been like a this season and the end of last season type deal. Now, the Tennessee offense does not look good without Derrick Henry. The the combination, which I've mentioned multiple times on this podcast, of Dante Foreman, Jeremy McNichols, and Adrian Peterson is not getting the job done. And their offense is has been struggling for weeks now, especially the weeks that Derrick Henry has not been uh, available to play. So... Once their defense stops carrying them, this is going to be a problem. Now, they don't really have anything to worry about considering they've already beaten the Indianapolis Colts twice. And since they're in that division, they basically just have to fend off wins until they get to the playoffs, which they may or may not get Derrick Henry back. It it seems too obvious how to beat that team, yet no one can do it, which means the coaching is very good. Now... Before we get to the coach versus coach debate, let's just talk about the missing pieces from the Saints and how they could have helped them win that game without Alvin Kamara, without an actual number one wide receiver, and with Trevor Simeon taking most of the snaps. Now, don't get me wrong. Trevor Simeon's not your your top five, top ten quarterback, but he's a very valuable backup, but to an extent. So he played well in this game. Two touchdowns, no picks. Had over 250 yards passing, so he played well. They brought Taysom Hill in for his normal normal amount, or I guess you should say allotted plays in a football game that are odd, weird, and God only knows how it works. It seems like every time he's on the field, they expect him to not get the ball, yet he's on the field for a reason. I've noticed that the last few weeks that I've seen Saints clips or on Red Zone or wherever I've seen it, if Taysom Hill's coming out, As the quarterback, typically his throws are less than 10 yards or he just tucks it and runs. And that's his that's his non football IQ as I can make that. That's as in as many layman's terms if I can make that is that that statement right there. So Taysom Hill on the field, you know, that's weird gadget plays. You know that he ain't going to drop back and throw 60 yard bombs down the field. Yet Deontay or Deontay Harris, who somehow just catches these passes every week of over 46 yards, his shortest catch in the past four weeks has been 46 yards. He just catches a bomb every week. It feels like every week at least. But the the both of these teams are very well coached, even with all the injuries on their team. And Sean Payne and Mike Vrabel are awesome coaches that have coached up their team. On opposite sides of the football, honestly. So Mike Vrabel, being more defensive-minded than offensive-minded, is coaching that defense to be able to carry them in football games. And Sean Payton is getting the most out of that offense with them not having a number one target at wide receiver, not having Alvin Kamara, and not having a quarterback that's better than Trevor Simeon. So they're both very well-coached teams. And honestly... That's how this game went. The Saints got down early. The Titans struggled, and then the Saints made it a game, and that's why it was as close as it was with the Saints only losing by two. That was one of our wins. With the, I took the Saints plus two and a half. So not not, not that many wins this week in, in terms of the, the betting odds, but uh, that was one of them. Moving on, the Colts beat the Jaguars 23-17. Jags come back with a backdoor cover 
at the end of this football game with a short run rushing touchdown by James Robinson. Uh, the Colts running game was very good in the first quarter. Now, the question I have is why did it stop? Jonathan Taylor had 78 yards rushing in the first quarter, and he ended the game with 116 yards, which means he had 78 in the first quarter and a little over th- or a little under 30 for the rest of the game. Now, that's a bit odd against a very bad Jaguars defense. So my question is, what, what, why did they ab- abandon the run? I'm confused. Now, Carson Wentz, once again, making sketchy decisions. Uh, he threw a left-handed pass in this football game that actually was completed. But nonetheless, the, the, he threw t- – actually, that was the first one in the first half. The second one he threw left-handed, almost got picked, tried to th- – like a shovel pass – Almost like you're a second baseman throwing, th- trying to throw somebody out at first, like the backhand. Did the same thing, trying to throw it nine yards down the field. Almost got picked in this game. Carson Wentz's decisions at quarterback are always going to be under under a microscope. He makes multiple risky decisions, and, and quite frankly, it's just ballsy. It's very ballsy. So it's always going to happen. It's always going to be a problem. But why didn't they lean on the rushing game? What is Frank Reich doing? You're up by a lot. Pound the rock. They weren't able to stop it in the first quarter. They came out to a commanding lead. They were up by more than 10. And then it just stopped. And then all it's like they gave up and then thought, oh, you know, we're good. The Jags won't come back. They made it a one-possession game. So, like, I don't know. I don't know what the mind frame is there. It seems like a Vikings decision which we will get to, obviously, like we always do as the last game we cover. But I I don't understand that decision. And and the Colts have been on a hot streak the last few weeks, and it's been against bad teams. So they need to, to clean this up, especially when they're playing good teams. They're not going to be able to do what they did today against the Jags, against solid, good football teams. Next on the list, the Patriots beat the Browns 45-7. to I have no idea. Uh, listen, I've – shout out to Josh at, at, at work, one of my coworkers. Uh, he's a Patriots fan and a Bucks fan. Basically, I've learned that he's a Tom Brady fan, so he will support both teams. Uh, let's just talk about – let's just talk about Stefanski. So, Ke- Kevin Stefanski, what is happening – He is on the hot seat. Everyone is coming at his throat right now. I don't agree with it. I don't think Kevin Stefanski should be getting this much backlash for this loss. He's not the problem. They're dinged up everywhere, whether it be on offense with playmakers, on defense in the back end. His quarterback that he's choosing to start every week has a torn labrum. It's it's rough. it's, It's honestly rough. So I just think he was outcoached. And Bill Belichick is probably the best coach in the history of the NFL. Or one of. He's in a very small he's on a very small list of coaches in terms of skill and in terms of win-loss record, in terms of a lot of statistics. He takes away your best option. Uh and in this game, their best option wasn't available in Nick Chubb. So honestly, he's just a great coach. And and Baker. Baker cannot carry this team while he's hurt. Baker Mayfield needs – they need to sit him. And unfortunately, I get that they went out and made all these pieces to try and make a run, but but you're going to ruin this man's career. 
He's he's getting hurt. He's getting pulled from games and starting the next game, saying he's good to go. I, I, the, nobody's good to go with a torn labrum. That, that's not how this works. You, 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 I, can you perform your job at work, whether it be physical or non-physical, with a torn muscle in your arm? It's going to be uncomfortable. It's not going to be the same. It's not going to feel the same. There's going to be constant pain. I get that these players can get shots and what have you before games, but this could do real damage to the rest of his career, and he's playing for a contract. So it's not it's not, it's not smart to keep starting him, although I understand that, that Case Keenum is not as good as him, and I get that, but they've won football games with Keenum already. So why can't you just scheme something up, Mr. Mr. Kevin Stefanski? You used to do it in, in Minnesota. You're an inventive younger coach. You can figure it out. Don't ruin that man's career. As much as I'm not a huge fan of Baker Mayfield, don't ruin his career by playing him through this injury. And then Mac Jones for rookie of the year. It's just, oh, my God. This man is playing like every – he's playing like Kyle Shanahan wants his offense to run every week. The man does not make bad decisions. He hits his open wide receivers. He doesn't – I'll say it again. He doesn't make bad decisions. He just doesn't. And that offense is basically needs a run game. Without a run game, the Patriots' offense is almost irrelevant. So week after week after week, they figure out how to be successful on the ground, which makes Mac Jones look five times better than he probably is as a, as a player and as his and his skill set. But it's 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 fun to watch this because uh, the P- Patriots were in the in the tr- in the tank. They didn't expect much from Mac Jones. Nobody expected them to be this good. And with the teams up top in the AFC struggling, not all of them every week, but a lot of them have had struggles. They've had injuries. They've had slumps. The Patriots are right in it. They're six and four. They're right in the in the nick of it. All right, moving on. The Bills defeat the Jets 45-17. to Bills getting back on track. All the people out there with the comparisons with Mike White had that big game, got the Jets that win against Cincinnati, came in, played well in the first quarter, but got hurt uh, in, his, in the game right after, and then he was named the starter this week. People online, via the internet, via the media, are were caught, making comparisons to Kurt Warner, Tom Brady, uh, he threw four picks. He looked awful. He's human. I was not getting sucked into that Mike White is the next Tom Brady garbage. That That's just terrible. And most of you guys out there listening probably won't either. But there, it's it, people are trying to start up a story, and it's trying to take off. But there's no way. And, and he looked awful against a really good defense. So to be fair to Mike White, Cincinnati's defense is okay. They got they got the best out of it that they could for a while. They've started to look a little bit worse as the season's gone on. They were on a bye this week, but he played against the Colts in the first quarter. Looked like it was going to be a little bit successful. Then he got dinged up, had to come out, and Josh Johnson came in and at a point where they were already down by 30. So this is the time where Mike White, if he was the next Tom Brady, would have taken off. Uh, and he didn't take off anywhere. He went probably farther down than up. So it's – it's and the crowd – I mentioned that I w- I've been in the Meadowlands. I guess it's technically not the Meadowlands. At MetLife. 
stadium before watching the Giants and the Jets fans and how they react. The, the Jets fans were chanting. You could hear it on the broadcast. They were chanting Joe Flacco's name. If somebody is chanting Joe Flacco's name, this is a problem. This is a problem. And granted, yes, New York fans are a little abrasive and they tend to flip off and flip on to different players depending on how they feel about them. They typically overreact as most fans do. Uh, but it's it was insane. The Jets looked awful. Uh, I, there's nothing else I can say about it other than I told you guys that Stephon Diggs was going to have a breakout game, uh, and he did. Savon Diggs had an awesome game this week, one of the top performers as a wide receiver. The offense looked good, even though they still can, can not continue. Sorry, I get they can't. They, the Bills can't run the football. That's basically it, and they're gonna struggle in a few games if teams can narrow in on Josh Allen and narrow in on that passing offense as bad as the running offense is. They're not going to be able to get anywhere, and those are the games they're going to struggle in moving forward. Next on the slate, the Lions and Steelers tie at 16. This game was ugly to watch. Why are there ties in the NFL? Like, this is this is honestly ridiculous. Like, I don't understand why you would have an opportunity for a team to tie with everything on the line in the NFL. The season's not that long. There should not be ties. There should not be ties. You should continue to play until somebody wins. Because the Lions could have gotten a win in this game. I feel bad for Lions fans. And I feel bad for Dan Campbell. You guys know that I support him. And if you don't, I'll tell you right now. I support Dan Campbell as a coach. I think he's driven. I think he's there for the right reasons. I think that he has some learning to do. But I like him as a head coach. I don't. I hate the fact that they're allowed to be ties. Now, I understand it could help you in the end. In a playoff race, in a divisional race, what have you. I get that. But so could a, a victory, and it can help you more. So I, I don't I don't like the tie rule. I've never liked the tie rule since they changed it. It Just keep playing until somebody wins. It, it's literally more enjoyable. The, the league makes more money. I don't understand why they're doing it, honestly. It doesn't make any sense. What, what, is, the beneficial, what is the benefit of a tie? It makes no sense. But you know what else doesn't make any sense? The fact that the Steelers started Mason Rudolph and not Dwayne Haskins. You know what Mason Rudolph gives you. Ben Roethlisberger obviously missing this game uh, due to the COVID, being on the COVID list. He's vaccinated, so he should be back next week. But you know what you have in, in Mason Rudolph. You don't know what you have in Dwayne Haskins. Yes, you've seen him play on a different football team, but what does he have on your football team? We've seen Mason Rudolph start. It's nothing impressive, and it's average. You're playing against the worst team in the league with the worst record. Why did Dwayne Haskins not start this football game? And I know Mike Tomlin's a great coach, and I agree that he is. But I want to know his like what is the what is the point? Like what do you have in Haskins? What are you doing moving forward since Ben Roethlisberger came back for one year and he doesn't look good? He doesn't look like he can lead a team to victory. He can't throw the ball down the field anymore, and he can't move. So, like, you need to know what you have in Haskins, so you need to know what you ha have to do in the draft or in free agency at the quarterback position. So I don't really understand I don't really understand starting Rudolph over Haskins. It doesn't make any sense. Now, I no, nah, it just doesn't no, nah, it just doesn't make any sense. That's <laughs> that's basically it. 
and the and the Lions will not be the first team to 0-17. That's the last thing I got out of this football game. They will not be 0-17. Now, they could go 0-16-1, but they will not go 0-17. They will not be the first team to do so. So, congratulations, Detroit. Next on the list, the Washington football team beat the Bucks 29-19. Probably the biggest upset this weekend. It was a disaster for, for the Bucs. Tom Brady throws two picks in the first quarter. He's visibly upset. Uh, Bruce Arians and Tom Brady both had very awkward press conferences after the game, like post-game press conferences, which is what I'm taking from this game. Uh, the Washington football team have struggled all year, Have the uh, technically have the worst pass defense, yet they picked off Tom Brady twice and only gave up 220 yards passing in this game, which is amazing, and what people expected of them based on their forecast from the offseason coming into the draft. But Bruce Arians calls out the coaches for the bad performance. I hate when people just blame coaches. I really don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense. Why are you blaming coaches when coaches can tell players how to perform, yet it's the player's responsibility to perform? Like, stop yelling at coaches. Now, if coaches are, like, abusing players or it's off-the-field stuff or they're teaching them how to throw, toss football games, like Paul Crew from the longest yard, like, okay, fine, blame the coach. But you can't put all of it on the coaches. It's it's unbelievable. And, and I think Bruce Arians is a bit of a schmuck, to be honest with you. I He's a decent coach, don't get me wrong, but the, some of the stuff he says in press conferences doesn't make any sense. Like, don't don't blame the coaches and make it seem like it's not your fault, it's their fault, and it's the player's fault. He seems like he wants to be on a pedestal, and I don't want to put him on one. And then Tom Brady, very frustrated Tom Brady in a, in his press conferences um, after the game, only available for a little more than a minute. And most, most of the time, Tom Brady has been in front of the podium explaining things, talking about things. Uh, he's, not the, he's not one to get upset and then therefore give very short answers to questions. Uh, but the media was hitting him kind of hard, and he was just not having it. So very short press conference, mandated to be there via the quarterback and the rules of the NFL. But he was not having it, and I don't blame him. This is a bad loss for the Bucks, and let's hope that they bounce back next week. Next on the list, the Panthers defeat the Cardinals 34-10. to If anybody thought that Colt McCoy's performance last week, filling in for Kyler, was going to stick for the rest of the time he started, you guys are sadly mistaken and have not watched Colt McCoy play a football game. I knew that it was going to happen, and their defense was awful in this football game as well. So with Colt McCoy having to be decent for this team to have a shot, and the defense to be able to play decent for them to have a shot. Both of them did not work, and they were both subpar performances. Best player on the Cardinals all day was probably James Conner, who definitely has more than 10 touchdowns this season, which kudos to James Conner for having a bounce-back season after he was basically kicked out of Pittsburgh. So very good for James Conner, happy for him. He went through a lot, uh, Went to Pittsburgh. I'm from Pennsylvania, supporting the Pittsburgh dude. Had cancer, bounced back from it. Uh, I love James Conner as a player. I love him as a person. Uh, he's a great speaker. Uh, he's a he's a very good th- philanthropist as well, based on all that he's done through. He's gone through. So I enjoy him a lot. Uh, but let's talk about Cam Newton. 
He was in for five plays, I believe, maybe either five or six plays, uh, rushing touchdown and passing touchdown as well, both from the one-yard line. Now, a lot of things are going around the NFL right now and within the media uh, via the blogs that I follow, a lot of the things that I've seen. The only active quarterback they have for at least the next three weeks is P.J. Walker and Cam Newton. So... P.J. Walker is not big, and he's not good. Now, I listen, there's not a lot of tape on him. He hasn't played a lot. Now, he was a star in the AFL uh, before it was shut down, right before COVID. Um, I, I don't know. I, if, if I'm the Panthers, I think you ride this Cam Newton train. I think you give him the start, let him do things. Now, we all know and we've seen Cam. In, and and if, if you've watched football for the past two years, you know that Cam is not the same Cam he was. But I think that he has the backing of the team, the coach, and quite honestly, he has the backing of the offense and the fans to start football games. And if he's going to come in and have this type of impact on a short week, picked up midweek, and he's going to come in and have this type of impact – I think that you give him the start. I, nothing against P.J. Walker, uh, but for the Carolina Panthers to be in the NFC playoff hunt, I think it's worth giving Cam a start and, and basically using him the way they're using P.J. Walker now in, in that football game. So P.J. Walker came in, played most of the snaps. Cam came in a little bit. I think you do it the other way, depending on the situation on the field. Cam doesn't come in if you start the drive on the 10. Cam doesn't come in on third and 15, right? But I think you use Cam a lot more than they did in this game, and I think that they have a, the Panthers have a solid shot to, to make it in the playoffs, whether it be a six or a seven seed. Next on the list, the Eagles defeat the Broncos 30-13. to 13. Uh, Best performance by Jalen Hurts so far this season, and, and that's saying a lot considering that he only threw for 173 yards. Now – he made throws in this football game. I did not see a lot of it because it was playing simultaneously to the Vikings chargers game, but they were off by a little bit. They were off by 20 minutes. So I got to see the end of the sec, uh, sorry, the end of the first half of the Eagles chargers game. He looked good from the pocket and his throws were, were very accurate. Uh, and I was surprised because a lot of the things and the Knicks that people have on Jalen Hurts is his down-the-field throws and his throws while solid and still in the pocket. On the run, he's good. On the run to the right, he's very good. So mostly it's him sitting in the pocket and throwing down the field that people have issues with. Now, the way the Eagles' offense is set up, they run the ball to be successful, similar to a New England, similar to a Cleveland Browns, that type of offense where the running attack opens up the passing attack. So I'm not surprised that he had a decent game. They were able to run the ball for more than 175 yards rushing uh, between him and his two running backs, uh, Scott and Jordan Howard. So uh, Boston Scott and Jordan Howard both had over 80 and Hertz had over 50. So they had, a, they had a really good game on the ground, which opened up a lot of the passes to Devontae Smith, two of them for touchdowns. He had five for 66. Good game from Devontae Smith. His route running is amazing. Similar to, to a Jerry Judy. Uh, it must be an, uh, an Alabama thing because 
their route running skills are amazing. I just watched a few slow-mos. I think I saw the last two minutes of their first half. Devontae Smith was involved in a lot of those passes, as well as uh, Jalen Hurts and his footwork on those passes. A lot of good stuff coming from that that I saw before the Vikings' second half started. So I like what I saw. The, 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 the Denver team... Uh, the Broncos team is set up the same way. Teddy Bridgewater's not dropping back 50 times and giving you 400 passing yards. And and their two running backs, Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, were not able to get it going. Plus, Melvin Gordon once again proved that he can fumble the football at any time. I believe he has the most fumbles in the past three years out of every running back in the league, which is very interesting. Uh, but Philadelphia is a bit scary for the wild card, for sure. Definitely not in the division. Cowboys, way too good. Uh, they're at 8-2, and two, so it's going to be hard for them at 4-6 and six to get back there. Uh, but the Philly schedule is one that I wish that I had as an avid Vikings fan. So they've got the Giants twice. They've got New Orleans, the Jets, and then Washington twice, and Dallas to end the season. Dallas is the Week 17 game, meaning they may be sitting people by that point. So that might listen, the Giants, the the Washington football team and the Jets, uh, the Giants and the football team twice. So that's that's a lot of quality wins or not very quality wins, but that's a lot of W's I see for the for the Philadelphia Eagles. So be be very afraid of the Eagles coming up, because if Jalen Hurts can just manage football games, there is not a chance that they lose more than half of those games uh, unless their defense completely falters, which is very possible. Next on the list, the Packers beat the Seahawks 17 to nothing. Uh, this is the first time the Seahawks have been shut out since Russell Wilson has been their quarterback. It was a very ugly game to watch. 3 nothing at halftime. Aaron Rodgers seemed a bit off. Now, granted, he just did recover from COVID without a vaccine. I, I haven't had COVID yet, that to my knowledge. So I don't know what that's like. But a lot of people I know that have had it uh, have been very tired. He's has the best doctors available to him based on, obviously, his status uh, within the NFL, who's probably helping him with his recovery from COVID. Uh, but interestingly enough, he had a toe issue going into this game. Uh, it was released after they got the victory. Uh, if it's turf toe, that's going to be a huge problem. Other than that, it, I wouldn't really worry about it. The Packers did lose Aaron Jones in this game. A.J. Dillon comes in, replaces him without a single, without a single hiccup, comes in and is a wrecking ball in this football game. Uh, and the Vikings play at Green Bay next week, which is going to be a very interesting football game. But I don't know. Aaron Rodgers offensively the last few weeks has not looked good. Uh, this week, last week he was off uh, due to COVID. I guess I shouldn't say off. He had to miss the football game due to COVID. But the two weeks even before, it seems like the defense is carrying them. And honestly, the We've talked. I've talked about it to exhaustion, but the the Green Bay defense is very impressive. It did not give up any points to Russell Wilson, who, granted, is coming off finger issues, and th their team in general has been pretty much in shambles the past few weeks. They're struggling. Russell Wilson's clearly not a hundred percent, which at some point he will be, and it'll be a little bit better. But uh, this was all Packers in this football game, and AJ Dillon helped out a lot. Uh, for a struggling Aaron Rodgers.
Next on the list, sorry, next on the list, Sunday night football, the Chiefs defeating the Raiders 41 to 14. Patrick Mahomes huge bounce back game, big statistics in this game. Uh but the Chiefs defense is the is the biggest the biggest winner of this. And they played very well and once again, uh, I would say for probably this Probably the past month, maybe even month and a half, the Chiefs' defense has played very well. Their offense has struggled more than their defense has. They've stepped up. Uh, Steve Spagnola, I'm not a huge fan of him. A lot of people know that. I don't like him. I think he his worth is a little bit inflated based on some of those teams he used to have when he was a coach of the New York Giants. Uh, he made this team into a solid defensive team. Uh, and they knew they had to protect the offense that was in a slump and struggling. So very impressive for the Chiefs in this game. God only knows what happened with Deshaun Jackson on that what should have been a touchdown pass. He turns around, runs backwards, and then fumbles to Tyron Matthew. It, it just doesn't make any sense. It literally made no sense. Uh, but the Raiders' slump is, is real. And the Raiders have been through a lot this season. First it was... John Gruden, uh, then it was uh, Damon Arnett, one of their top draft picks, coming out saying he's going to shoot people and have a video of him holding guns. Uh, Then it's Henry Ruggs with the DUI crash, uh, killing somebody. So they've been through a lot. Their coach is a first-time head coach. You had to have expected them to struggle at some point. Uh, After the John Gruden thing, they were able to get a few wins, which is fine, Uh, but the them losing two first round picks uh, for the rest of this year and I guess forever since they were both cut, it it clearly affected the locker room. Uh, their defense hasn't played well like they did at the beginning of the season. Uh, their offense is missing a lot of pieces. And if Deshaun Jackson was their answer, he clearly is not. He's older. He's not as fast. And he's going to make these stupid bullheaded plays that he used to do when he was in Philadelphia. Uh, even at the beginning of his career. So uh, good win for the Chiefs. They should be back on track. We'll see moving forward because they do play the Dallas Cowboys this coming week. Next, the Monday night football game. The 49ers destroyed the Rams 31-10. to Basically, this whole game was dictated by the running attack of the, the San Francisco 49ers. Elijah Mitchell, great runner. Uh, Jeff Wilson Jr., good as a backup, didn't have really good statistics in this game, but he kept that defense honest. They pretty much wore him out. 37 rushes between Mitchell and Jeff Wilson Jr., so a lot of rushing in this football game. Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, into the third quarter was like 11 of 11. Uh, I think he ended the game 15 of 19 for a couple touchdowns. Uh, Debo Samuel, great game again. He's been one of the hottest wide receivers in the league. Second to the the man on the other side of the field, which was Cooper Cup. Once again, 11 11 catches for more than 120 yards. It it was very impressive what he's been able to do this season. I'm pretty sure he has 85 catches already. Like, it's, it's unbelievable what he's doing. Most wide receivers don't have 85 catches all season. He's got him got it through week 10 with seven games to go. So uh, very impressive what we're seeing from that. Debo Samuel, and I may have made this comment before in one of my previous podcasts, but Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk drafted around the same in the same draft. 
Uh, Ayuk picked first, then Debo Samuel, uh, but Debo's clearly the better player. Ayuk's had issues off the field. He's had attitude issues. It, it seems like Debo's willing to do anything and everything for this football team, considering all of his routes are over the middle, uh, and he does get rocked. So uh, Jalen Ramsey not able to stop him. Very interesting how this game came out. A lot of people were hammering the Rams in terms of betting, betting odds, and I thought that was a sure thing, and that's why I put it as the last bet on the on the EK parlay because I thought that if it came down to it and I won the first four, that that would be an easy slam dunk. I should have known that Kyle Shanahan, 5-0 and against McVay in their last five games. He got outcoached, and McVay just cannot beat Kyle Shanahan. Now, Robert Woods hurt on Friday – uh, after I released the podcast, Torres ACL, Robert Woods will be out for the rest of the season. Odell Beckham Jr. comes in and has two catches for 18 yards. Uh, he does is basically not effective now. Granted, he was only there for half a week, so he didn't have enough time to get any chemistry with with Matthew Stafford. But Robert Woods has been a very solid number two target for multiple years for the Rams, and right now he is better than Odell Beckham Jr. Now, not right now since he tore his ACL, but Odell's got big shoes to fill, and he better figure it out because the Rams right now look like they're on a downward spiral. Lastly, the Minnesota Vikings squeak out a victory against the L.A. Chargers. It's 27-20. Justin Herbert kept in check most of the time from the defense of the Minnesota Vikings, who played pretty well considering they were missing Anthony Barr, their one of their main key presence linebackers on defense, Harrison Smith at the safety position, as well as Patrick Peterson at the corner position. Uh, and Brandon Staley uh, and Justin Herbert both underperformed in this football game. Now, Brandon Staley, one of the best coaches in terms of fourth down conversions and being aggressive, very unaggressive in this football game. So that's something to keep an eye on moving forward, whether that was just a one-week fluke or if he's going to continue to be a little bit more conservative versus aggressive. Uh, but that was why the Vikings were able to, to push through and get a W in this game. Uh, exactly what I wanted to see from my football team happened. Uh, Kirk Cousins pushing the ball down the field, multiple 50-50 balls thrown towards Justin Jefferson. He caught all of them. Um, he had a big day, uh, but the 50-50 balls is something that hasn't happened the past few weeks. Justin Jefferson has had nine targets in the past two games. He had 11 targets just in this game uh, and had nine catches, which he had in the past two games. So great, great day for him. Uh, we The Vikings lose by 20 if, if Justin Jefferson doesn't play in that football game. They lose by 20. Dalvin Cook, pretty good day. 24 carries for 94 yards and a TD. Uh, he helped with a few catches, uh, three catches for 24 on five targets. Also, out of the backfield, seems like the Vikings aren't throwing screen passes to him anymore, or if they are, they're not doing it as often. Uh, not sure why that is, considering they're one of the best screen teams in the league. Uh, but Dalvin Cook had 26, 27 cut touches in this game. Like I said, three receptions, 24 carries. The last few games, he's had less than 20 touches. They got him involved. They got him involved early, and he was able to find holes, especially to, to ice the game away with a big catch by Jefferson down the field with a good toe tap and a run on fourth and two to ice the game with Cook. 
uh, who he, where he gets three or four yards, gets the first down, and we run the clock out from the two-minute warning. So very good to see. Uh, very good to see as a Vikings fan. The thing is, is we have a lot. So we've gone through the very hardest part of our schedule. We do have to play Green Bay still twice, and we do have to play the Rams. Uh, but we've got the Lions. We've got the Bears twice. We've got the Steelers who are struggling a bit. So we have an opportunity to get to sneak into the playoffs, which I'm clearly hoping for some help uh, from a lot of other teams. Currently in the eighth spot, only the top seven get in. Uh, we currently sit at four and five. So we're definitely going to have to beat Green Bay once, if not twice, to get in. So we do play in Lambeau next week. So, or this, sorry, this coming week. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But. Uh, pretty happy with the way the game went. I was able to watch basically the last three quarters. By the time we, we've we reached uh, somewhere I could stream on my phone, I missed the beginning, the first drive of the Vikings, but watched some, some in the car. But when I got home, I was able to watch the last three quarters. Pretty good game to watch. Pretty competitive. Uh, and it was a, a back-and-forth game, but Kirk Cousins played well. We were able to run the football. The defense played good enough. If we could play like that every game, we have a very good opportunity to make a run for the playoffs. All right, guys, I mentioned the CTP segment of this podcast. Uh, Cole's top performers. I'm going to go through who I thought were the top performers, the top five of this week. Uh, in terms of fantasy stats, in terms of uh, how they played against the teams they did it against. Uh, either way, I'm going to give you guys the top five uh, and unveiling the new CTP segment. We're going to start it right now. Number five, Ramondre Stevenson, running back of the New England Patriots. Uh, the Patriots offense, amazing when they can run the football. Mac Jones has a lot of pressure off of him. They don't have to do a lot in terms of being in the shotgun. They can basically dictate the way the game goes with the run, which you can say about multiple teams in this league. But he had 20 carries, 100 yards, two TDs, as well as a big first down late with four catches for 14 yards out of the backfield. Uh, he had a wonderful performance, uh, and especially since he was very questionable coming into this game with Damian Harris as well, uh, both of them with concussions, but he was able to clear pr the protocol. Thank the Lord because the Patriots needed him uh, and they took a big W uh, away from Cleveland. Number four, A.J. Dillon. We just went over it. It's not easy to watch your fellow player get nicked out of a game. Uh, once we get to the injury segment throughout the week, I'll give you an update on Aaron Jones, but it looks like he's going to miss a few weeks. Not sure exactly what it is yet, but I'll give you guys an update uh, during the injury midweek podcast. Uh, but it's not easy to come in and just take his spot and be a starter. He was able to do so in a game that got ugly really quick. 21 carries, 66 yards, two TDs rushing, as well as two catches for 62 yards, and one of them being a huge swing pass for 50 yards out of the backfield. If anybody knows anything about A.J. Dillon, he is huge. A giant human, big legs, He's a stocky guy. You can't bring him down easy, and he broke 15 tackles on that run. Great to see if you're a Packers fan. Number three, people are going to think I'm a homer, but guess what? He played amazing. Justin Jefferson, nine catches for 143 yards. Kirk Cousins targeting him down the field more than 15 yards was six for six. 
He caught three, at least three 50-50 balls, possibly four if you count the fourth one as a 50-50 ball. Vikings need to take advantage of this. Justin Jefferson has the height. He's younger than Adam Thielen. Let's get Adam Thielen into the slot. Let's keep Justin Jefferson outside, and let's keep throwing him footballs up in the air because clearly he's going to be able to bring them in and at a good rate. Number two, former Vikings, Stephon Diggs. Eight catches, 162 yards, and a TD. Stephon Diggs, I've mentioned a few times, has been very hit or miss in fantasy this year. Uh, the Bills' offense hasn't kicked on uh, or hasn't basically been good on all cylinders this year. They put that together, well, granted, against the, the New York Jets, but this might be the, the push in the butt that just that, uh, sorry, that Stephon Diggs needs. Uh, to start putting up statistics that people drafted him in fantasy leagues for. So great, great performance this week. He was available for Josh Allen. Josh Allen hit him at all on all the routes that he normally does hit him in, uh, which is great to see considering the Bills have struggled on offense for the past few weeks. And our number one spot goes to the struggling Patrick Mahomes. Kicking it this week. Uh, kicking the slump. Played amazing on Sunday Night Football. He was 35 of 50 for 406 yards and five TDs, zero picks, zero turnovers. He found Travis Kelsey. He found his running backs. He did what he needs to do as a quarterback and take what the defense has given to him. Now, he did have a very long, sketchy pass to a running back 40 yards down the field for a touchdown. Uh, but that's the kind of stuff Patrick Mahomes used to get in terms of good luck. And what have you in football games uh, But Travis Kelsey came back with a vengeance Had a few subpar weeks the last few weeks He was able to find his third and his fourth options At wide receiver Not pushing ridiculous footballs down the field And he was still able to put these statistics up So uh, a lot of good things came out of this For Kansas City Chief fans For Patrick Mahomes uh, And basically for that whole organization Because they are now in first place of that division Only two weeks previous they were in last that is the ctp cole's top performer segment uh this will end the episode this week i know normally we do it on mondays i know today's tuesday tomorrow i will be coming out like normal on wednesday with the injuries and fantasy football midweek podcast so stay tuned for that i appreciate all of you that have listened uh to this episode to recent episodes and to any episode if you are a new listener or even a repeat listener please check out the feed on wherever you listen to the podcast i really appreciate it give old old episodes a look see try and catch me on some and then send me a send me a direct message on facebook and see if i if i made statements that counteract each other i don't think so but if you guys catch it i'd be very impressed So once again, wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it be Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, anything that any place that you listen to podcasts, I appreciate it. Please tell a friend, tell a coworker, tell anybody you think who would enjoy the podcast. Please add me on Facebook or write a review on Apple or Google Podcasts. Add me on Facebook, C-O-L-E-H-A-Y, D as in dog, T as in Tom. I am Cole Haight. This is the All In Man Cave podcast until tomorrow, which I don't normally get to say uh, when I leave a podcast, but uh, until tomorrow, later. Later.